Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you are here. Welcome, Bowie City Church. Welcome, First Christian Church. And to all those who are viewing via Facebook or YouTube, we are live in both platforms. Uh, and again, you could be anywhere. You're probably at home. If you're at your kitchen table or in your bedroom or on your living room, uh, we say thank you. You could be doing anything right now, but you're here to engage online with us this morning. And so what I'd like you to do, we are live on YouTube. There it is right there. If you are looking on YouTube, I would love for you to take that and to share it. And also on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and hit that share button. That's at the bottom of your screen. Hit that share button. Let people know that you are engaged with us this morning and that this is an opportunity for them to hear about the hope of Christ and the hope of the Christmas story as we're in the middle of our, um, our series entitled Keeping Christ in Christmas. We're going to transition to a time of worship, uh, and as usual, the Turpins have provided a worship song for us. We'll go back into the catalog for one of the, one of the ones they did for us over the summer, um, but we ask you to engage in worship. This should be a song that you're familiar with. Uh, it's called uh, Reckless Love, and how God's love for us seems to be this abandoned kind of reckless love that doesn't make sense but we're glad that God loves us. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to move into a time of worship. And I do, I ask you to engage in the worship song this morning. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are, God, and how much you love us, Lord. And Lord, we're always thankful for your grace and your mercy in our lives. And God, we come before you now, knowing that there's a lot of things that are not going the way that we would hope from the go, especially when it comes to the pandemic and how it's caused us not to be close with our family and friends as we're used to, not going to school, not going to work, and just living a life that we're accustomed to before this pandemic. But at the same time, we say thank you. We say thank you that we are alive. We thank you that we have technology to engage. And God, we're thankful that uh, you're still here. And we're in the midst of the holiday season, we get to focus on you. So God, at this time, we're going to sing a song of praise and worship to you and thank you for the love you have for us. Thank you for the Turpin family providing worship for us, Lord. Bless them. And God, we give this time to you. It's not for the name of Bowie City Church. It's not for the name of First Christian Church, Lord, our own personal name. It's for you. the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. We ask you to be with us now. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.
Merry Christmas to you all. And uh, hopefully you are part of the worship and yet they're singing about God's love for us and how great it is. Again, I'm Dion Bolding, I'm lead pastor of Bowie City Church, and we're here at First Christian Church. Uh, and we're in two churches meeting in one location. Right now we're all virtual right now. So I say hello to everybody that is watching uh, via the live stream. And then to the few of us that are here who are essential for this service to happen. Thank you guys for coming and being uh, here this morning. A mask on, smiling faces. Uh, and the like. We are in the middle of a series entitled Keeping Christ in Christmas. And if you missed last week's sermon was the first sermon of the series, you can go back to the archives. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel at BowieCityChurch.com um, or, or YouTube or Facebook as well to see uh, Pastor Martin, who's here from First Christian Church, who preached an awesome sermon on faith and looking at the story of, of Christ's birth and what Joseph had to rely on faith and Mary rely on faith and how we are to do that today and how the Christmas story encourages of that. Uh, so go back. It was a great sermon if you missed it. Uh, and we can continue to pick up in the second week as we look at the Advent series or Advent as, as believers. We're using the Advent Sundays with faith, uh, hope, love, and joy being the Sundays of Advent and preaching through that as we look at why we're supposed to keep Christ in Christmas and why that's important. So this morning, it is on a hope. And so what we're asking you to do, right, if you're on, you're on some stream, there's only a few of us here. So if you are streaming, you're watching this live, what I want you to do, even if you're sitting by yourself or you're with your family, kids, everybody involved, I want you to do two things. On the count of three, you're going to say hope, and I want you to type in hope, okay? So on the count of three, everybody's going to say the word hope, and you're going to Text it, write it in, and hit send or hit enter uh, to engage with Lauren. So on count of three, everyone say hope. One, two, three. Hope. Hope is what we're talking about this morning. So hopefully you're typing it in, and it'll show up on the stream. Um, and if you have any questions, or if you have scriptures, or you want to give a thumbs up, or you say amen, this is your time for the nonverbal people who don't like to say things in person. This is your time to shine. You can actually type it. And, uh, and engage with what you're hearing, what you agree with. Send hearts, send thumbs up. Something encouraging uh, impactful for the sermon. But hope this morning. We're talking about hope. And let me give you a definition of hope. It's going to be uh, on your screen. It says, hope is defined as the expectation of something happening. Hope is the expectation of something happening. And hope is very different from wishing or dreaming. We all have wishes and dreams and we all have hope, and it sounds very uh, similar, but they're not. They're very different. See, because hope, there is this true belief that you're hoping for is really going to happen. Hope is this true internal belief that what you're actually hoping for is going to happen. That is different from dreaming or wishing. Let me like give you an example of the difference between real hope and wishing and dreaming. So suppose you are an older adult, you're in your late 30s, early 40s, and you're single. And because you're single, you're living in a, you're living in a bachelor pad with a, a bunch of buddies, a bunch of friends, or you're a bachelorette and you're living with a bunch of, bunch of your girlfriends in a home, you're sharing a home. Or let's say you're still living at home with your mom or dad. Not that that's bad, but that's just, just the way you are. You're like, just go with me. You're, you're, you're still living at home, you're an older adult, you're living with your parents or you're living with a bunch of friends, and, and you are also working 
a job, you're working at Six Flags. Let's say you're working at Six Flags. Again, nothing wrong with that. I worked at Six Flags, and I lived in my parents' basement for a little while. Uh, and so just go with me. That, that's your life right now. So you're working, and you have this dream about meeting and marrying Miss America or Captain America or whoever America in your head, like this ideal like person in your head. And you are constantly dreaming about, about marrying this person, this type of person. And one day, as you are actually working the ride, that person, Miss America or Captain America, comes on your ride, and they are just in awe and amazed how you push down that lap bar. And they're just so like, oh, I can't believe the way he checks the left and checks clearance to the right. They just can't believe how awesome you look back at the exit and you put your thumb up for the all clear and you push the button, you say, enjoy your ride. And they're just like, I, I, I have to find out who that operator is. So they ride the ride and they come back. And as they come back, they've made the decision. They've made the decision on the ride. They get off the ride, they come up to you and they say, I am going to marry you right now. Let's leave. And you walk out the exit and you guys get married. And you live happy ever after. Okay, that's dreaming, right? That is dreaming. That is, that is most likely not going to happen. That is the close to zero chances of that happening, as close to zero chances as you can get. That is dreaming. That is wishing. Hope is different. Hope is looking forward to something that you know is going to happen. There's this expectation, this expectancy of waiting for that to actually just to happen. Hope is what most children experience on December 24th on Christmas Eve. This expectation, it grows and grows and grows, and it comes to this point of this ultimate expectation of Christmas Day, this hope of Christmas Day, of the toys and presents that they believe they'll have, and they have some wishing and dreaming of some things they want or ask for, but they hope that the presents are going to be there, and they know the presents are there. They've seen it. They just finally get to open it. That is like the most the tangible thing of hope right now is Christmas. Or I remember the commercial where there's this family. Okay, we're Disney fans here at the Bolding household. Uh, and so there's this commercial is back in the early 2000s or so where this family is getting ready for their Disney vacation. The kids are packing all their stuff. And the parents are like, okay, you got to go to bed. got to go to bed. And they get everyone to bed. And mom and dad lay down. And he starts to fall asleep. The husband and the wife says, are you sleeping? He says, no, too excited. Like he's just so so expecting for to go to Disney. Like a lot of people, when you get your chance to go, you're so pumped up, just like kids are on Christmas Eve. Now, as you get to adults, it's kind of ways, you know, it wears off some. Like you're glad to get presents, but that level of expectancy. I sleep soundly December 24th, Christmas Eve. It could be just like any other night. I don't have that like <gasps> I hope I get when I wake up. Uh, but it's still cool to see that through the children's, your children's eyes and kids' eyes, because you know hope is coming. Hope will be fulfilled. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 as we look at hope. And we're going to be talking about this in a character that's in, in the Christmas story that most people probably just glance over and don't really even realize is in the Christmas story. It's this old man that's in Luke chapter 2 who waited this whole entire life with this kind of hope, this expectancy of Christmas. His name is Simeon. You may have thought I was talking about Zechariah, but it's Simeon. Simeon understood God's promise of a Savior to come to this world. 
he looked forward to this event with hope that enveloped everything that he did. His whole life was waiting in hope and expectation of meeting the Messiah. And God tells of his word in Luke chapter 2. So open your Bibles, those in the room, open the Bibles, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be in verse 25 as we look at this expectation of hope with Simeon. You're at home, your device, hopefully you get your Bible because you're using the device. You can't do both at the same time. You're going to lose the stream. Uh, so open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 25. And it says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was with him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, this is Jesus' parents, brought the child, brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom for what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, All right, we're gonna get to what he said. All right, check this out. This is a little backstory. If you read all of Luke chapter 2, you will read this part, but right before these verses I just read, eight days after Jesus is born, Jesus is eight days old, eight days after he's born, they're supposed to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to go to the temple to have their son uh, blessed and to have him circumcised, especially the firstborn. And this is like what we talked about in the last series about Exodus way back in that sermon where we talked about the firstborn son of, of Egypt, the firstborn child was, was put to death, and that Israel was supposed to give their children, especially their firstborn, to God, and God would give them back. This was his whole repentance process. Well, they're still carrying out this custom. And so on the eighth day, you take your infant, your son, especially your firstborn, to the temple to be blessed and to be circumcised, and check this out. This is not, this really has nothing to do with this. But did you know, God is so good. God's grace is so good. Did you know that infants on the eighth day, their platelet counts as highest than it's ever going to be between that seventh, eighth day. Your platelet count is extremely high. And God says, on that day, you are to give your son. That is God's grace there. That is, God is so good. Even in the medical, how he designed our bodies to say, I, I need this done. I need this done for my people. So I'm going to put this into the human body. So this day, when the day comes, it's actually a step of grace and mercy. We don't see it that way, but man, God is gracious and good. So that's why they do it on the eighth day. And it's an important event in the firstborn sons. This is fulfillment of the covenant of God's people. We are God's people. So Joseph and Mary brings an offering of two young pigeons or doves. And they were not wealthy people, but they were obedient. We have to understand, like, look, because you're not in a wealthy position, maybe because you don't feel like you have the resources, does not mean that you cannot be obedient, that you should not be obedient to what God's calling you to do. We know Joseph and Mary weren't wealthy. They were in an inn. They had no room to end. They actually stayed in the stable and laid their child into a manger where pigs and donkeys and animals eat out of. This is how poor they were. This is, this is, they were not wealthy people, but they were obedient. They say on the eighth day, we're supposed to go to the temple. They went to the temple. And on the eighth day, we're supposed to bring a sacrifice. We bring a sacrifice. It 
was a strain on them, maybe financially, but the blessing and the hope of what God's promises move them on an obedience. Church, I say, in the hope and knowing what God's going to do for you should push you and move you to obedience like Joseph and Mary. So as they fulfill this commandment to God, the Holy Spirit urges Simeon to go into the temple. And I'm not sure how often Simeon blessed children in the temple and in these circumstances, but this time it was different. He takes Jesus into his arms and the Holy Spirit, God confirms in Simeon that he's holding the Messiah. Can you imagine? I mean, like, if you're like me, I like holding little babies there and I love giving them back to, but I enjoy holding little babies. It's like, it's just awesome, this innocent life. Now imagine holding this innocent eight-day-old baby life and it's the Messiah and it's Jesus, the promised one. He is literally holding hope. Oh, it just moves me inside just even to think about it and be put in that circumstances and knowing what God had already told Simeon. And in this, Simeon sings a song of praise, a song of hope. And that's what Simeon goes into in verse 29. Luke 2:29. Simeon starts singing. He says, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And he's singing this, okay? Imagine he just, he's just breaking out in song. He's just his own song. He's just from his heart. He starts singing this song of hope. And this word here, sovereign, that he sings means all-powerful and with all authority, independent of all others. Simply Simeon saying to God, God is in complete control. He's saying, God, you're in complete control, and because of this what's happening, I can now leave this earth in peace. See, Simeon had waited patiently for God to keep his promise to him that he made to him, not just made to Simeon, but also made to the nation of Israel through the Old Testament prophets that a Messiah is coming, a Savior is coming, and there's a hope that is coming. He waited patiently for God to keep that promise for the nation, but also what it meant for him, that the Holy Spirit had told him, you will not leave this earth until you have met the Messiah. And as he lived his life longing and hoping and preparing for this day, now Simeon says, that day is here. I have met the Messiah. I have fulfilled the hope, and now I can die in peace. Church, People view and understand that the Christmas story is not only full with faith, as Pastor Martin said last week, but it's full of hope. And it's all about hope. Hope has entered into the world and the word, by the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us through Mary, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God's word, God's son, not from spirit, became flesh and dwelled among us. And that message gives us hope. And that message gives us that God keeps his promises. Do you remember the angel's message to the shepherds that night that Jesus was born? It's back earlier in Luke chapter 2, if you need to read it. It says that in Luke 2, 10 through 11, it says, I bring you, this is the angels talking to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Lord, and Jesus is our hope. 
might ask you this question, what hope we would have if our Bible stopped at the Old Testament, if it stopped at the book of Malachi? Like, if there was no Gospels, if there were no letters from the Apostle Paul to the church needing to remind people of Jesus, what if there was no, no, no relevation, no relevation uh, from, from John about God's glory over Satan and the promises of heaven that was purchased by the blood, by the Lamb, who is Jesus? What if it just stopped at the Old Testament? Simply put, if that had stopped there, there would be no hope. See, Christmas is a message that all our powerful God's promises of a Savior is to come, not just for me and not just for Simeon, but for all people. And no matter who you are or what you've done or what you look like, no matter how much you have sinned, now how many times you've blown it, how many times you've messed up, there's an answer for that. And that is answer is hope. And that hope is Jesus Christ. And there is forgiveness. And a Savior has been born to you, born to you. A baby is born. A Messiah is born. And he is Jesus the Christ. Emmanuel with us, that is hope. We as God's people don't live our lives wishing and dreaming for heaven. We live our lives hoping for heaven. And that is a radical difference. It's a radical difference between somebody who is wishing and dreaming of one day of of a paradise versus somebody who walks in hope and knowing, when I take my last breath here on earth, I'll be in presence, in the presence of God Almighty. Oh, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14. I love this verse. It says, this is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in, in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Oh, church, if you have hope in Jesus Christ, and you have family and friends and loved ones who have placed their hope in Jesus Christ, when you depart from this earth does not mean you will not see them again. You have hope that you will see them, that they will be in heaven because of God sending his only son to this earth as a gift to us. And those that accept, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he had the perfect birth and had the perfect life and had the perfect death and the perfect resurrection and now is in the perfect place interceding on our behalf, you will see everybody once again who has accepted and done the same. There's a hope in that, an expectancy in that. You don't have to wish it. You don't have to dream it. I don't wish for it to happen. I hope for it to happen, like Simeon, who had this hope of meeting the Messiah. It is my hope. It is my expectancy. And because of Jesus, like Simeon, because of Jesus, the second point, we can sing a song of Simeon. We can sing the same song that Simeon sung because of Jesus. Simeon goes on to continue to sing Go ahead and look down at, uh, at Luke chapter 2, 29 to 31. 
he says, he continues his song. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light, a a revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of all your people, Israel. Sovereign Lord, you've kept your promise. Remember, eight days. Jesus is only eight days old. As Simeon is singing this song, he's only a baby, and he is saying to this little baby, you are the Savior of all mankind. Just imagine the scene. Again, I read the Bible. I try to have this picture in my mind how I had to kind of look going to the temple and this baby showing up, and this is something that happens every day. Every eighth day, there's children coming to the temple. This is nothing new. Every day, there's parents bringing children to babies, infants, to the temples to be blessed and to be consecrated. But this time, this older man is singing about this one baby being the Savior. Can you imagine what the other parents are looking like? They're like, what is he going to say about my kid? And what? I, I don't, I didn't get that blessing when I brought my son or daughter here. Like, there's this whole atmosphere happening right then and there where he's saying, this baby is going to be the Savior. What joy and hope that is. But then Simeon, after he's done his song of praise, he speaks this prophetic word directly to Mary, directly to his mother. If you go on to go to verse 34, he says this, Then Simeon blesses them, he blesses Mary and Joseph and the baby, and he says to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and raising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many's hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Okay, again, go back to like this whole, like, he's singing, and he's praising God, and it's a great thing, and he has, he has that moment, and then he knows he has a word for Mary, and he gives these words, and the last part of this heavy word, it says, and a sword will pierce your soul too, Mary and Joseph. I was like, wait a minute, what, what happened? This was like this was all, like this was supposed to be a great moment. We're all you're singing, and we're like, oh man, Simeon singing to our kid, and now you're saying a sword's going to pierce my soul. Like, what what's happening? These heavy words cannot be understood while you're holding an eight day old baby. Mary's kind of like, what do you? This is this is the Messiah, Holy Spirit. What do you mean? My soul is going to be pierced with a sword too. But she will go on to remember these words and treasure these words when she looked at her 12-year-old son as he amazes teachers in the, in the temples, in the synagogues. And when she watches him love and heal the outcasts, and then at the same time, those words ring true in her heart and mind when he's confronted by the high priests, by the high and mighty Pharisees. Until one day where she's also standing at the foot of the cross and watching her own son die. And the sword pierced his side. And when that happened, it pierced her soul too. Yes, Simeon is excited to sing about this hope. But he also knows the heaviness of hope in church. Know this, every person know this, hope 
comes with a price. It came with a price. It comes with a price. The hope of Christmas Day for children, it comes with a price. Somebody, somebody had to do something for them to actually have some hope that there's something going to be under the tree that they're longing for and hoping for. It, there was a purchase that had to be made. Well, same thing for our souls, for same thing for our eternity, same thing for the, re, the repentance and redemption of, of sin. There was a price that had to, be say, had to be paid. She would be Mary, this pierced soul mother, would be the first one at Jesus' tomb and realize that it's empty. She would experience his resurrection and the joy that it brought, and then she would experience her own son ascending into heaven. And she would be praying with the apostles on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon them in, in like flames of fire. And that this baby of hope to the world, she would see from birth to ascension and that hope being revealed that one day I'll be back with my son. One day I'll be back with the Messiah. This baby is the hope of the world. This baby is Jesus, and Jesus is the hope of the world. See, Jesus commands us as his church, commands us as believers in Jesus Christ, commands us as his bride, that we are to spread this message of hope, that we are to tell people of his glory and to tell people of who he is and what he's done for them and the gospel. And because we are the found ones, we are to go and find others who need to be found. Because we carry this message of hope and we have hope, we are to take this message of hope to those who are hopeless and find that they don't have hope. All they have are empty dreams and wishes. The world has no hope without Jesus Christ. And his church and his bride are the messengers of hope. The world has no hope then without the church. The church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world because we carry Christ with us, because we are the messengers of hope. But in what ways are we the hope in the world? How can we carry this hope out to others? See, from time to time, we feel like Christians that we just don't add up enough. We don't, we're just not enough. We don't have enough. We can't do enough to actually make an impact to offer this world. Not all churches are large enough or in position enough to, to, to give enough, to do enough, to actually make an impact that would change the world immediately. Not all Christians, you yourself or your household or your family, you may feel like, I don't have enough, I can't do enough to actually make a difference. But we have to understand that is not up to us and is not up to our capacity. See, it is God who brings us because a little hope can do more than we ever could. A little hope can do more than what position you hold. A little hope can do more than the funding that you have, more than your influence, and more than just people standing in a church. See, the hope that we have has not come from our own strength, but it comes from God. So even when we're feeling like we have nothing, to bring what we have to offer is Jesus. And I love that this happens in Acts when Peter is walking and, he, and there's a man laying there and he asks him for money. And Peter says, money I do not have. 
And if you have ever been in a position where you feel like somebody has asked you for something that you don't have, you say, I don't have what you're asking me for. I can't give it or I don't have it to give. But what I do have is hope. And at that time, Peter says, get up your mat and walk. And when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're moved with this message of hope, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and telling you and saying, you don't have this, but offer this to them. When somebody says, oh, do you have a dollar? You have some money. You don't. But you say, but I can pray for you. Right now, I don't have a dollar. If I had a dollar or had some money, I would give it to you, but I don't. But what I can do is pray for you. Why would you let you know that God is with you? A message of hope can change someone's life. That gives us a reason to believe that what we do have is more than enough. Because what we have is this message. This message that we have, we carry the truth of Christ. There's three points. We carry the, uh, the, the truth of Christ, and we'll end on this. This is our primary purpose as a church, is to bring truth to the whole world. And what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus is who he says he is, and is the truth of the gospel. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, If I delay, you may know that how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of truth. See, the truth of Jesus and the finished work of the cross is something that we must say and is something that must be heard. The local church and your local community and your own family are to be agents of telling the truth, of bringing this message of hope. I'm so grateful for, for Emma Johnson who put together this awesome opportunity that we were able to partake in last, uh, this yesterday. And you still have an opportunity to do today. Uh, if you want to, but we made these cards. I bought my cards from my family. Uh, I won't tell you whose cards are who, but we made these cards that are going to go to people who need hope. And Emma Johnson put this program together and, and made an opportunity for us. If you still like partake in that, you can go to our Facebook page. But these are going to go to people who are in detention centers, uh, immigrant detention centers throughout our country who need a message of hope. Church, we can do that. How can you do that this Christmas season? The second, we are to be an extension of God's love. It says this in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Church, we are an extension of God's love. We are to tell of how God has done things in our lives. See, each believer has more than enough life to share and a more than a lot, enough light to shed. I'll say it again. As believers, we have more than enough life to share, and we have more than enough light to shed to those who need it. See, God has proven his faithfulness to us. He's given us testimonies and stories of how he's answered prayers in our lives. Has he, have we seen miracles in our lives? Have we experienced breakthroughs in our lives? And this points back to God, and this points back to hope. And lastly, lastly, we stand in the gap. We stand in the breach of intercession. See, prayer is undoubtedly one of the most powerful things that we can do. We can pray for people. We can intercede on things that are happening in our community. The church should be the leading group, the leading people praying for those who are suffering from the pandemic. We should be the leading people, the leading entity, the leading group who are help, trying to help meet needs wherever we can, or however we're led by God and the Holy Spirit and what he's called us to do. 
we are to be the royal priesthood who stand in the gap between God and the world, as Jesus did for us in the midst of our sin. We as Christians stand in prayer for our cities, for our nation, for the world, and for our family, and we pray that God shows up. That is hope. I end with this. One of my favorite songs, uh, Christmas songs, or just favorite songs in general that revolves around the birth of Jesus is the song, Mary, Did You Know? And I wish we could play it. We can't do it because of copyright reasons, but the title of the song, Mary, Did You Know? Mark Lowry, who wrote the song, he asked these questions. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new and that the child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Man, I just love that song. And I can't imagine what Mary has experienced and gone through as a mother, as a parent, knowing her child will have to give his life for her life so that she may have eternity. Simeon's prophecy to her. Mary had no idea how God would accomplish this through her child. But she did know as she watched her child die, as she watched her baby boy die on a cross, what sword he had been talking about this whole time. Hope has a cost. But she also knew that she would see him rise again and she would see him and why she's able to call him Lord. In church, my message to you of hope today is I, as we close, I close in prayer is that you accept the message of hope. That the Christmas story is just not one that is about presents and gifts and things that we expect to happen this Christmas season, even though it's different this year. That we would say, I need that hope in my life. There are times and areas of my life where I find myself hopeless, where I find myself hopeless when it comes to my family situation, when it comes to my relationship with my parents, when it comes to my relationship with my friends. I find myself in a hopeless situation when it comes to my finances. I find myself in a hopeless situation when it comes to my my health. In church, understand that God brings hope and that ultimately the things of this world do not compare to the life that comes to those who have their hope in Jesus Christ. I just want to pray for us And I encourage you as we pray and we engage through uh, a song uh, of worship that you will put your faith and put your hope in the birth and the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are and how much you love us, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And God, we thank you that we are able to look at the story of your son, Jesus being born unto us, Lord, over 2,000 years ago. And God, we can look to the story and look at this trans, transaction, this, this, this relationship that happened between Simeon, Mary, and Joseph, and, and, and Jesus, and knowing that he had lived this life of hope and expecting to see the Messiah before he took his last breath here on earth, Lord, and how that just moved his life along. And God, some of us lack that hope that moves our life along. We just have this doubt. We just have this hopelessness. We just have pie in the sky wishing and dreaming 
and not this purpose-driven hope in our life. And God, I ask that this sermon, that through this Christmas season, Lord, in the midst of what's going on that we can't control, that we ultimately find our hope in you and your word because you keep your promises. And we've seen you move in others' lives and throughout your word that we can stand on that as well. God, you're a great God. We thank you for this message of hope. We thank you for the Christmas season. And we're going to do our part as a church to keep Christ in Christmas. That's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Oh, as we move in, before we move into a time of worship, again, one, uh, if you do want to participate in the cards that, we're, that we were able to make to, uh, to bless those who are in uh, immigrant the detention centers throughout our country, you can go to our Facebook page. You can click the link. Um, it's... It's in, look at, look, post down the link there. You can go and it will give you all the instructions that you need to do to be able to participate in this, to give a message of hope to those who need it this Christmas season, um, especially those who are forgotten about a lot. And right now, our hearts, one of our people is those who are in detention camps who are just seeking a better life. And for whatever reason, they find themselves there. So you can participate in that. That would be great. And by Monday, you can come pick up the cards. All that information is there in that post, so go ahead and do that. We want to give you opportunity to give as well. We want you to know that you're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church. And so when you give to Bowie City Church or you give to First Christian Church, you're not just giving to the building and lights and live stream and all that, but you're giving to the mission to go and love people throughout the world and the community and families in need right now. So you can give... Uh, you can go to either website, our church website at Bowie City Church, or you can go to the First Christian Church website, uh, and you can give there online. You also can give in an app uh, called Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. Download that app, look up Bowie City Church, and you can give that way as well. You can set up automatic giving or weekly giving or however you would like to give as God led you to. Or you can do the old traditional put the snail mail, put a check in the mail, and you can give uh, mail to any one of the mailing addresses of the church. But it's an extension of your worship. It's an opportunity for you to continue your worship, to give back what God has given uh, to you. So we here at Bowie City Church, 30% of every dollar, 30% of every dollar goes out to missions. It goes out to do God's kingdom uh, work and not to none of, of everything else that it takes to operate as a church. So I want you to know that, give you opportunity to do that uh, we thank you for being a part of, of this. We're, we're looking forward to the Christmas season, looking forward to how we're going to do Christmas Eve and continue city groups and, and youth group and how to do children's worship. And all that's in the per, uh, process. You guys be blessed. you need anything from us, please reach out via Facebook or email uh, or either church and know that God's with you and take this message of hope with you as you leave. And thank you, Turpins, for providing worship again. And you guys be blessed and we'll see you next week.